Welcome to the Abundant Life Podcast. This is Pastor Derry. Honoring God begins with acknowledging God for what you already have. And when a believer begins to acknowledge God and thank Him for what they already have, the doors of faith for increase begin to open. In today's message, we continue talking about the principles of harvest and increase from the Kingdom Supply section of our series titled The Journey. Listen in, take notes, and I'll talk with you at the end of the message. Proverbs chapter 3. And what we're talking about, our subject matter that we've been talking about is is, uh, principles of the harvest and increase, which is uh, part 39 of our series called The Journey. And you know, in our series, we've been talking about the fact that God has all of us on a journey, that the calling of God starts with our salvation. But with your salvation, there starts a journey of life. And there are many times when Christians don't realize their life is a journey. And so sometimes we wander and wonder, what is my purpose? Why am I here? And is there more? And the fact of the matter is, you were made for for more than what you realize you're made for. Amen? You should know. I was made for more than I'm even aware of. Amen? I was, I, was a, I was a young man, and I had given my life to Christ, and I started coming to church, and I got stewarded with a classroom to teach. And so I had never taught anything before, and so I'm now I'm a, I'm a teacher, and I'm, I'm, I got a, three students in my class. And I, I went, and, and the advice I was given was teach them like you're teaching 10,000 people. And so I went into the classroom, I was armed, I had all my stuff ready, and I went to that class, and it didn't make no difference how many people were in the class, I taught them like I, was, like I teach y'all, and how I'm going to teach when there's more of y'all. Amen. I gave it all. I went, I went in the classroom, and it didn't, it didn't make a difference who was there. It made a difference that I was there. And I was there to make a difference. And if I make a difference with three people who make a difference with three people, then nine people got transformed. Amen. So keeping in mind that very thing, that when you have a calling on your life, you are on a journey and you can take the journey serious or you can take the journey light. But if you take it serious, then you will start taking whatever's in front of you and do it as unto the Lord and see God do great things around you. Amen. Amen. If you were ministering, man, one of the greatest messages I ever preached was sitting on a curb in front of the EDD building in Richmond. I was sitting on the curb talking to a guy because I had walked out the door and I had eaten a sandwich and I didn't like it and I was getting ready to throw it away. He said, brother, don't throw that away. The man told me, don't throw that away with my bite mark in the middle of it. And I gave him the sandwich and me and him sat down and the greatest message I ever preached came right to him. It didn't come standing in a pulpit. It came sitting down with a man who was hungry. But he wasn't just hungry physically. He was hungry spiritually. And so my steps, because the Bible tells us that the steps of the righteous are ordered of the Lord. And you think you're walking around just doing things and God has ordered your steps that you be in the right place to meet the right people, to serve them with your gifts. And rarely in the real world 
does a gift of singing bless people. And I don't mean the real world as in this is not. But when you're out and you're interacting with people, preaching like I'm preaching to you now doesn't bless people. I can't walk into my office and stand in the, in the middle of the main lobby and say, look here, y'all, turn your Bibles to. That doesn't work there. Amen. Here is designed to teach you and instruct you and equip you that you might be prepared for your works of service, according to the book of Ephesians chapter 4. When the worshipers up here, you can't stand in the middle of some place and just worship until people cry. They're not going to cry. They might hear you and go, that's interesting, and keep walking. And they might be touched by it, but they're not going to stand there and cry. I'm walking down Broadway in, the, in Oakland. There's a guy standing on top of a, a retaining wall, and he's got a little uh, amplifier and his microphone, and he's got his Bible out, and he's preaching right there. And nobody but me stopped. And I stopped because I already know Jesus. <laughs> but to those who didn't know Jesus, that is foreign to them. And because it's foreign to them, they don't want to stop. Amen. So understanding that God has you on a journey that has you integrated into the society so that you understand how it works and that you are able then to translate the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ into language that they can understand. Amen. Amen. When I was in Cuba. I was, uh, they asked me to get up and speak at this church we went to. And I got up and I started, and I started speaking in Spanish. And I started my first, my, fir my three sentences I had ready in Spanish, I spoke in Spanish. And then I was tapped out. <laughs> and I had to have the interpreter begin interpreting for me. But if I didn't have an interpreter, I would have spoken great things that would have never been received by the people because they don't understand the language. And we have become interpreters of the gospel of Jesus Christ. For those who don't understand what the word is saying, we interpret the word into language they can hear, that they can understand, that touches where they are so that they can hear the voice of God in their life and then come and learn the language of God in the church. See, we come to church to learn the language of God, to learn what God has spoken, to learn those things so that we can then hear those things and understand that I have now become bilingual. I have gospel fluency and I have human fluency. And I can speak gospel inside the church and then I have enough understanding that I can then speak the gospel to those who need to hear it outside of the church. And my journey then becomes how God takes me from place to place and allows me to do good and free those who are oppressed of the devil, as Jesus did in Acts 10, 38. Amen. So our lives become this journey and this walk with God that allows us to go into the world, into all the world, and preach the gospel to every creature because we have then interpreted the gospel from God's words to their words so that they can hear the word and be changed and transformed and their lives can be totally transformed. Amen. See, I went to church all the time, but I didn't speak the language. 
My parents dragged me to church all the time, but I didn't speak the language. And I sat in the Bible study and I argued with teachers and I did everything that people do when they don't understand stuff. And I got mad about stuff and I got kicked out of class. And I did everything that I could do to try not to go because I don't want to be in there because I don't understand what they're talking about. And it doesn't make sense to me. And then all of a sudden, after years of that, I finally said, good, God doesn't exist because I don't understand what you guys are talking about. It doesn't make sense. And there are people you encounter all the time that will say God does not exist. But it's not because that's fully in their heart. It's because they don't speak the language. And because they don't speak the language, and sometimes we don't try to speak the language, we have a barrier that can't be crossed. Amen. See, if I want to get to know somebody who speaks Spanish, I have to learn some Spanish to communicate. And if there are people who don't know God that you're trying to talk to, you've got to learn to speak their language. Amen. Paul was in Ephesus, and he saw that they were really religious, and he's praying, God, how do I reach these people? And he's walking through, and he sees that they have a statue, all these different statues to all the gods they worship. And then he sees one that says, the unknown God. So Paul said, listen, I want to preach to you about your unknown God. He pulled something out of their culture and he talked to them about Jesus using their own culture to explain him. And people came to Christ that day. Amen. So God has his hand on you on your journey to learn how to take icons of this world and translate them into things people can understand about God that they might receive him. Because everybody needs to be reconnected to their creator. And Jesus is the answer to reconnect them. Amen. So when we look here and we see in the book of, uh, let's go to the book of uh, Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 3. Is that where we were? Amen. Thank you all for being diligent, being there. Amen. Proverbs chapter 3, and we want to begin at verse 9. And verse 9 says, Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of your increase. So your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. Reach over and touch your neighbor and say, Neighbor, I love you. Now say, Neighbor, not only do I love you, I'm going to keep you awake in this hot room today. Amen. <laughs> look, look, I'm standing up here looking out there. I know what's going on. Amen. <laughs> Honor the Lord with your possessions and the first fruits of your increase. So we're supposed to honor God with, number one, what we have. And then we need to honor God, number two, with what is coming, our first fruits of our increase. In other words, there should be an expectation that you increase from what you have to more. But if you're going to honor God, there's three things you need to do to honor God. The first thing is you've got to acknowledge what you have. Amen? You've got to honor God for what you already have, because if you beg for more when you don't know what you have, you might be asking for something you already possess. Amen. The second thing you got to do besides acknowledging God 
is you got to see what you have the way God sees. So when you're looking around, you're saying, God, I acknowledge that you've given me all these things. Now, Lord, I need you to show me what these things look like in your eyes. Amen. Lord, help me view my wife as you see her. Amen. As a man, I knew he was waiting on God for something, and he had this image in his head of what it was going to look like. And he kept turning away from everything except the image that he wanted it to look like. And so he kept this image, and, and he kept saying, man, God hasn't delivered. God hasn't delivered. And in the meantime, God kept sending other things, but because they didn't look like his image he had in his head, he was not receiving them. So God was sending him things and he wasn't seeing them the way God saw them because he was still seeing according to the image he wanted to see. Amen. See, I, I've been there as well. I've been in life where I've looked in and I've asked God for things and God sent things and they weren't what I wanted. But God doesn't send you what you want. God sends you what you... <laughs> God sends you what you need. Because many times we're asking God for things out of deceit. Not us deceiving, but the fact we're sometimes deceived. Amen. I was doing the things of God and I still and I had a I had a, a, a young buppy image of life that I wanted to pursue this image. I was, I was after this thing. And so when I gave my life to Jesus, I got down and I said, Lord, I believe your word now. Now that I'm a believer, I believe your word. So, Father, I want a Porsche 911 Carrera, Father, in the name of Jesus. And I'm, I'm serious. And I said, but well, before I pray for me, I'm going to pray for everybody else. And I was interceding for everybody. I'm putting my heart out there. Lord, I'm praying for others before I pray for myself. I'm, I, got the, I got the right mind concerning you. And I'm doing this. And I said, now, let me have my 9-11. Because I had an image painted in my head by the world system that said this is what success looks like. And a young black man driving this is going to be—he's going to be. I'm going to be something. But I had an image painted for me. But then, as I was praying, and my sincere heart is asking God, out of deceit. Now, number one, I didn't have 9/11 gas money, let alone. I didn't have a garage to park my 911 in because I'm out of balance. Amen? I'm, I'm desiring things and I'm out of balance with those things. I'm, 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 I'm sincere, but I'm ignorant. Amen? Tell your neighbor, say, people can be sincere and still be ignorant. Amen? I ain't talking to any of y'all. I'm just talking. Amen? You can have wrong information and be pursuing wrong things because you're, you, you haven't got the right information yet. And I was in that position. I'm asking God, but God's mercy cut through my deception and he ministered to me. And then one day I'm praying over my 9-11 and I've got my eyes closed. I'm saying, Lord, 
And all of a sudden, a totally different vehicle parked, popped into my head. And I said, oh. I said, yeah, I, do. I really like that. And what had happened was, is because I was delighting myself in the Lord, and I was honoring God with my prayers, he said, son, I'll give you the, the real desire of your heart. I'll cut, through the, I'll cut through all the images that the world has plastered around you. I'll cut through that, and I'll actually give to you the desire of your heart. And two days later, I'm riding down the street, and there was the car sitting on a car lot. Somebody else was driving, the car was in, and they, they saw it, and they pulled over. And they, got, they jumped out the car and put their hands all over and felt all over. I never even got out the car. I just looked at it, and the Holy Spirit said, that's your car. And I just sat there. They got out. They felt all over it. And they got back in the car. I said, I'm, the guy said, I'm going to come back in a couple of days and get the car. I said, you got two days because I'm going to get this car. They said, you didn't even get out and look at it. I said, I don't need to. God told me that's my car. I waited two days. And then I went to, I was at the lot 9 o'clock in the morning when they opened. And when I went there, I talked to the guy. I drove off the lot with the car. And it was everything I wanted. It was totally outfitted exactly the way I wanted it. But I would have been deceived if I was still holding out for a false image. If I hadn't been in the position where my heart was honoring God and willing to hear God when he speaks his word to your life. Because he'll start to reveal things to you. He'll start ministering to you. He'll start showing you the things that you truly desire in your heart. Amen. Honoring God begins with seeing things the way God sees them. Amen. So sometimes God is sending things into your life. You've got to be open to seek things the way God shows them. What does he have intention for? And so something as simple as a vehicle, what kind of car you drive, might be driven by God speaking to you and saying, this is what I want for you. Amen. And something as serious as a spouse Hearing who God has for you, listening to God, getting the right spouse, moving into the right neighborhood, because you might move into a neighborhood and you become a blessing to the neighborhood. Amen. Hearing God, listening to God every step is all patterning the journey that God has for your life. And hearing him and listening to him will continue to open doors for you that nobody can close and closed doors, nobody can open. Amen. Because how many of y'all need, so know that sometimes you need God to close doors for you? Amen. Amen. Sometimes you, gotta, you need God to close doors. Amen. Man, I was in there and them people wouldn't talk to me. God closed the door. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Me and Tammy were going to move into this house. We saw this house. We had just got married. We were looking for a house to move into. We called the people that, and we said, is this house available? They said, yes, yeah, available. We showed up at the door, and, they, and we knocked on the door. We made an appointment. Went to the door, knocked on the door. We saw a little, the house is not available. Like, what? <laughs> you can't just tell me that, right? So I'm all, but it wasn't for us. Now, I could have got all upset and said, oh, they, they're discriminating against me. Yes, they were discriminating me, guess, but guess what? They needed to because that ain't where I was supposed to be. Amen? Amen? Then the place we went, we were blessed. Whew. The place we went instead of that, 
when we moved into the house, the next door neighbors, we immediately had a kindred with them. And we started getting along with them. And a few years later, one of their children died. But we were already planted to minister to them. We were there because God has us on a journey. And somebody thinks they're discriminating against because they're looking at my skin and they don't know God is using you to close a door because he needs me to be over here instead. Amen. Even people discriminating against you, the steps of the righteous are ordered of the Lord. And if you continue to listen to God, guess what? God will work it so that you are blessed. And guess what? And they might be healed. Because it's not just God's will for you to be blessed. Sometimes people who mistreat you are mistreating you because God's revealing something in their heart that needs to be healed. Mm, come on, y'all. <laughs> Amen. Honor the Lord. Now, we talked about a couple of things in here. And we said, uh, excuse me, number three. Number one is acknowledge God for what he's given you. Number two is see what you have the way God sees it. And number three is you need to use what you have for God's purpose. Use what you have for God's purpose. In other words, God has an eternal purpose for you. And like I said, when God moved us to that house, he put us there in order to, number one, love on that family. And number two, we loved on them in order to be in position to have God's will done, minister to them in their, in their season of loss. Amen. And so to understand that the steps of the righteous are putting you in place to fulfill God's purposes. And sometimes you get put into positions at work or in business, and you're in those positions to be Daniels and Josephs. Amen. You get put into some positions because you're there to be the trusted advisor to Pharaoh. Even though you came in as a prisoner. Woo, come on. You didn't come in glorious. You didn't come in respected because of your degrees and your accolades. You came in as a slave, but now you are, for one reason or another, you're in position to advise Pharaoh. Amen. Come on. You might be the one who just comes in and extinguishes and, dis and distinguishes in yourself from everybody else because of your diligence and because of how you operate. And guess what? And you go from being a child put away to all of a sudden being governor over parts of the nation. Like a Daniel. Because why? Because you take what you've been given and you use it for God's purpose. And when you use stuff for God's purpose, man, God makes a way. Amen. He makes a way for you. Amen. Listen, then we talked about honoring. What does it mean to honor God? And we looked at Proverbs 27. Go there real quickly, and then I'm going to hop to something else. But I want, this is kind of some background. I'm bringing you, bringing you reminders of things that we talked about. I want you to get on these. Now, Proverbs 27, verse 23 says, Be diligent to know the state of your flocks in other words your possessions you got to be diligent to know what you have and we just talked about that but this is the scripture that goes along with it because i want you to know i'm just not giving you great tips i'm giving you the word amen be diligent to know the state of your flocks know what you have 
and look at what you have, not as just possessions, but as flocks. And to look at things that means like they're flocks means that you're looking at them for how they reproduce. If you, were, if you were a farmer and you had a bull and a cow, you would expect that at soon, some point or another you're going to have more cows. Amen? If you got two things together that will reproduce, you're expecting reproduction. Amen? And then when you have six, you're expecting what? More. And you're expecting more. You're expecting what you have, your flocks, to increase. Amen? But it starts with acknowledging if you never put the bull and the cow together, there's not going to be no more cows. If you see the cow and you say, man, we are hungry, we're about to eat this cow. You're not having no flock tomorrow. Amen. In economics, they call it the law of opportunity cost. Everything has one opportunity to do something. And if you use it incorrectly, you don't have it anymore. So the opportunity is gone. Amen. So if you have a cow and you eat the cow, there's no milk tomorrow. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Amen. If you have money in your pocket or in your pocketbook somewhere close, I want you to take something out really quickly. Take something out and I want you to look at it. Or you can look at mine. That's fine. Amen. Listen, this money is going to get spent one time. One time it's going to get spent by me. Amen. When it's gone, it's not coming back that way. So if I can get this money to multiply before it leaves my hand, then I can let something leave my hand and still have something left. Amen? Amen? But if when it comes, it goes, then I'm waiting for something else to come. Amen? Amen. More month than money. Y'all have heard that before, right? I had some money, but I had more month than I had money, and so I was without money for a period of time. Amen? So I want to be able to get to the point where I count this as a flock. And I say, flock, I'm expecting you to reproduce. Amen. I'm expecting you to reproduce because I got to know and see it the way God sees it. Amen. God said, I am the Lord, your redeemer. I will show you the way that you should go and teach you how to what? Profit. I'm going to teach you how. God said, That's, I'm your redeemer, and I'm going to teach you how. But sometimes we think of God as the God who's executing poverty on people. No, I know y'all don't. Amen. I'm just talking about people in general sometimes. Yeah, I know. The, yeah, the golden girls, they ain't golden for a reason. They're golden for a reason. Amen. But to understand, and again, because this doesn't sound spiritual what I'm applying this to, but it is spiritual in understanding. God expects us to be good stewards of what we have by recognizing that we are blessed, that we have what is sufficient, and then using what we have in a way that it multiplies and creates enough resource for us and for others. Amen. Listen, look at the rest of this. Verse 25, excuse me, verse 24. For riches are not forever. In other words, what you have right now is not forever. Nor does a crown endure to all generations, which means that you have to be prepared to have more coming in because what you have is not enough to endure to generations. Amen? Amen. So everybody's on this kick now talking about generational wealth, right? 
So you hear it everywhere, generational wealth, generational wealth, generational wealth. Well, what is generational wealth? Generational wealth is just what's passed down to one person to the next, right? But the mindset of generational wealth is that wealth is passed down so that people have choices. Remember, it's not just that people live lavishly. The whole point of generational wealth is that generational wealth is passed down so whoever receives the wealth has choices. But, But you're not under Caesar's system you have a choice right now. <laughs> okay, come on. You don't have to wait for generational wealth to come to you because you have choices now. And your choice is you can hear the voice of God and walk in the direction that God calls you to, even if you don't, quote, have enough resource, as it appears, to do what you believe God's told you to do. Amen. Listen, I'm chopping at mindset. I want you to keep listening to what I'm saying. I'm chopping at mindset. In my neighborhood where I grew up, the working class neighborhood, there weren't very many people whose parents in my neighborhood had gone to or graduated from college. That just wasn't the reality of the neighborhood that I grew up in. And if there were, they were few and far between. So all of us who grew up in that neighborhood, we grew up with our parents encouraging us to go to college because they had not gone to college. But many of us went to college unequipped because our parents didn't know how to equip us to go there because they had never been there. So many of us went and we struggled and some went through, some did not. Now, it's important to understand because For us, the choices were not full. In other words, most people in my neighborhood, by the time you got to be about 13 or 14 years old, you weren't talking about being a doctor. You weren't talking about being a lawyer. Because in the environment, that was not what was encouraged. And because it wasn't encouraged, there was an immediate kind of framework that was built around certain people who that's all I can do. And the thought of doing something beyond that was not a reality. Amen. Now, people who grew up with a different mindset never thought twice about applying to law school. Come on, listen to me, listen. Because your mindset governs your boundaries. And honoring God increases your boundaries. When you learn to honor God, then God starts to remove those strongholds that say what you can and what you cannot do. And God begins to pull down those strongholds so that you don't need generational wealth to dream. Amen. Then you don't have to have generational wealth to dream about someday getting to another level. And you have to understand that some people you are ministering to, there is an invisible boundary around them. And as you're ministering joy and peace, that is not a reality because it was never reinforced in the environment where they grew up. And you have to learn how to translate your gospel to their language because they haven't heard this other stuff before. Come on. 
See, understanding the gospel is not just for you, it's for others. And when you start to do that, you start to hear things now with a mindset of how I'm going to use what I've been given to bless other people. Because you're an interpreter. Amen. Tell your neighbor, say, you're an interpreter of the gospel to the people around you. Come on. Riches are not forever, nor does a crown endure to all generations. Verse 25, when the hay is removed, in other words, when a season comes and the tender grass shows itself and the herbs of the mountains are gathered in. So a whole cycle of season goes by. When that goes by, then. Come on. The lambs will provide your clothing. In other words, the newborn stuff of your flock will get your general needs met. Amen. So if we didn't eat the cow, if we didn't eat the cow and we allowed the cow to go through the whole cycle, then the cows, what he reproduces, will provide for your food. Amen. When he reproduces, that reproduction will provide the stuff you need. Amen. Woo, come on, y'all. Come on. When he reproduces, then... <laughs> Verse 29, the lambs will provide for your clothing and the goats the price of a field. In other words, not only will you generate and create stuff what you need, you should take a portion of it and start thinking about how you're going to expand your harvest. Start thinking about how are you going to expand your harvest. And you might say, well, I don't have enough what I need right now. You might need to bake somebody a cake. I don't have what I need right now. Then you need to bless somebody else. You need to be a blessing to somebody else. And you need to start putting this thing into motion. And when it starts getting into motion, then when stuff comes back to you, then you'll say, well, wait a minute. Before I go to Macy's, let me count my flock. Now let me take my, look at my flock and let me take a little bit for my clothing, but keep enough to start putting into my field. Amen. Let me take what portion of what I have. Take care of the field. Amen. I was teaching this to some young guys. There were security guards in my office, and I was teaching this to them. And they were sitting there going, well, and they were all kind of caught up. I said, look, man, y'all are young. I said, here's what young men got. Here's what you got. You're young. It's football season. I said, go to your friend's house. Take them something to their house, bless them with something, sit down and watch them. Watch the game with them, right? Bring a little something. Bring a little, sow a, go bring a little something, sow a little something to them. Guess what? You're going you're gonna to get a meal back if you bring something. <laughs> go sow into them. Move on, then do that. Continue to be a blessing to people. Amen. I'm telling you how to, listen, is it, we got to change your mind. Man, I'm going over your house because you got something to eat. No, bring something, bro. Sow into this thing. Amen. Sow into it. When you sow, you're going to reap. Amen. When we feel like we have not enough is the time for us to kick in our generosity and begin to sow. Now, you don't have to sow everything you have, but a portion of what you have should be sown. 
I don't have enough time. Good Lord, come on. Come on. The goats, the price of the field, verse 27, you shall have enough. In other words, when you start learning how to work this system, you will have enough. Amen. Now, here's how Caesar's system works. Caesar's system works and gets you to trade time for money one time and spend. Sow your gift, get money, spend money. That's it. Then go back to work, get money, spend money, back to work. Get money, spend money, back to work. Get money, spend money, back to work. That's, <clears throat> that's what it starts to happen, right? But you got to break that cycle. And you don't break the cycle by quitting your job. <laughs> Amen. Don't quit the job. No. Go. Go back to work. <laughs> Amen. Make money. Receive. Cause it to multiply. Go back to work. Get more. Bring it home. Get it to multiply. Take a little piece and spend. Take a piece and spend. Take a piece and put away. Take a piece and put away. Then go back and get more. And then over here, a little over there. Now go back and get more. And eventually you'll say, I don't need to come back here because this now has started to my cow has had calves amen my, now that my cow's having calves I don't have to go get milk money here because I'm making milk over here amen but it's a mindset break because in this whole process, the key is to keep in mind, it all belongs to God. Amen. And because it belongs to God, if God says, take this and move it over there, then I'll move it over there. Not afraid, because God can always cause more reproduction. Amen. Real quickly, real quickly, I need to get you to uh, go to Luke 6, Luke chapter 6. Ooh, praise God. Man, I haven't even got y'all where I want to get y'all yet. Amen. Come on. We're going there, but we got to get there. Now, we've been talking about the issue of increase. And what we talked about is honoring God with our possessions. A portion should go to provide for your clothing. A portion should go to buying a field. In other words, buying something that reproduces, that creates opportunity for reproduction. So we should always be thinking about how we're going to acquire additional things that will reproduce. Because as it reproduces, when we have increase, Increase, we say, God, I'm honoring you with, your, with the increase. But if you don't ever increase, you can't honor God with your increase. Amen? So you have to have an expectation of increase. Now, why is that important to understand? It's really important because, again, our training is to go to work, get the money, spend the money. That's how we're trained. 
That's, our, that's how we think. But God is showing us here that you should always, and Paul said it this way, that you should have enough for every good work. You should have enough to give into every good work, which means you have to increase. Now, I hear people sometimes talking about sacrificial giving, but I don't see that in the Bible. I don't see sacrificial give. I don't, I don't see a passage that says you should sacrifice and give. I don't see that in the Bible. It sounds good. It sounds spiritual, but that's works. <laughs> that's not grace. So you're saved by grace, not of works. So if you're giving by sacrifice, trying to earn God's favor, that is a dead work. It's a dead work if you attempt to gain God's favor by anything except saying yes to Jesus. Amen. You don't give out a sacrifice. You give out of love for God. And that should not be a sacrifice. I was talking to some guys, they were talking about something, and the, the dialogue came up that sometimes we have to sacrifice for our families. I said, no, 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 no. You shouldn't be sacrificing for your family. You should love your family. And whatever that means, you should do, not as a sacrifice. Because sacrifice means you're giving up something you love on behalf of something else. So if you love whatever this other thing is, that means it's an idol. <laughs> because if you have to give it up to do for your family, who do you love? See, if you just love your family, there is no sacrifice. My mother would never tell me, I sacrifice for you. But what? <laughs> you knew I was a knucklehead as soon as I hit the scene. Because <laughs> it's love that actually does it. Love is what we sow, and then love brings back its own harvest. Amen. Look at Luke 6.38. Look at 6.38. Luke chapter 6, verse 38 says, Give, and it will be given to who? So how do you initiate things coming to you? Give. Now, it doesn't say give an offering. It's true of offerings, but it doesn't say give an offering and it'll be given back to you. It says give. If you learn how to give, things will be given back to you. Man, podcast is coming on. <laughs> Amen. Give and it will be given back to you. Look what, man, there I am right there. Amen. <laughs> give and it will be given to you, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will men give into your bosom. <laughs> That's funny. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Man. <laughs> I don't know what week that was, but it sounds like a good message. <laughs> Amen. But to become a giver, become a giver. And how do you become a giver? By knowing what you have 
and thinking about how can I give it. Know what you have. See what you have the way God sees. Use it for God's purpose, which means that you give. Amen. Give your gifts and talents. Give your abilities. Going into the next year, think about how am I going to become a giver? How am I going to take the possessions, the gifts, the abilities I have, how am I going to give those things to the world? It might just be given to your family members. You might just say, you know what, I'm passing down all my wisdom and knowledge. I'm taking everything I got. I'm, pa- I'm passing it down to you. I'm going to give you all what I got. It might be in the form of a business where you just say, you know what, I have this ability and this gift and this is a need in the community, this is a need in the world, and so I'm packaging what I have and I'm going to offer it as a business to the world. Amen. It might be that you just have, you just say, well, you know what, I got time. Praise the Lord. Sow your time into somebody. Sow your time into church. Sow your time into whatever, whatever. But become a giver. And when you start to give, guess what? It's going to get given back to you. Good measure. There's a small measure and a good measure. Press down. And the picture of this passage is a person who is going to buy grain. And back in the Middle East, what they used to do is they didn't wear jeans back in the Middle East, back in the day, right? So the, so the clothes, the cloaks that they wore were more what we would look at as kind of a, a we would call it a tunic or a dress, an extended thing, right? So there's not no jeans, no pants the way we think of pants. So what they would do is when they would go to get a measure, they would reach down and they would take the back side of this thing and pull it up and make a basket, because you take the fabric here, you pull it up, and so now the fabric is gathered, and there's a basket in front of you. So a good measure would be that they pour and they fill it up. Press down. You take it, push it down. Shaking together, you shake it. And what happens is the grain would start to settle in, right? It would start to settle down. Then pour me some more, because it's not full, Right? You know, you pour the cereal in the bowl, and it looks like it's mounted up, and you take the bowl and you do like this, and the cereal settles down, you guys say, now I can fit some more in the bowl. <laughs> Amen. Shake it together, now run it over. Amen. It's going to be given back to you. What that means is, is if we take the attitude of becoming a giver, we will unlock supply from God because we'll start operating on God's system of becoming a giver and letting stuff be given back to us. Sometimes your story, your testimony, is something you have to give. And when you give your testimony to people, it breaks chains off their life and sets them free. Amen? Become a giver and unlock supply. Amen. Um, I have to stop. I have to stop. I'm out of time. Praise the Lord. All right. I'm going to read you something real quick. Let's bring up 2 Corinthians 9 and 6. Let's bring up the NLT version, New Living Translation, and we're going to pray. This one will speak for itself. But this I say, 
He who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Let's bring the other version up too. Thanks. Remember this. A farmer who plants only a few seeds will what? Get a small crop. But the one who plants generously will get what? A generous crop. Amen. Become a generous giver and watch it expand. Amen. See, the dangerous thing about our Caesar-based community, it makes us think in figures. It makes us think in five figures and six figures. It makes us think that way. And we think that way. And so what's big or small is determined on what we have coming in. Amen. But who says that six figures is big? Amen. You go in the wrong room and six figures will get you laughed out the room. Amen. <laughs> now, remember what I'm telling you. I'm not, te- I'm not telling you this to get an offering. <laughs> I'm telling you this because you have to expand. You have to grow. Amen. God's called you to grow and you have to grow. Amen. You may not want to grow. Sometimes there's pain in growth. I grew seven inches one year. Amen. It hurt. (laughs) It hurts to grow. But man, once you grow. Amen. You feel good. Amen. Amen. And sometimes there's spiritual pain involved in growth. Sometimes when you're breaking stingy spirits off of you, it hurts. Amen. Sometimes when you're trying to become generous, your own stuff will get in your way. Sometimes when you try to grow and expand, your own fears or your concerns, they will get in your way. Amen. And you've got to break those things and say, no, I don't have a limit. I'm going to move forward. Like the song said. Forward. Forward, forward. Sometimes you got to just move forward. Amen. Amen. Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you for moving us forward. Thank you for your word touching the lives and hearts and minds of everyone here. I thank you, Lord, that we have. Thank you for listening to today's message titled Principles of Harvest and Increase, Part 2, from our Kingdom Supply segment of our series titled The Journey. For more information about Abundant Life Worship Center, please feel free to check out our website at AbundantLifeWorship.net. On our site, you're going to find more information about us, our church and events calendar, and other messages that may be of interest to you. On our media page, you can catch our live stream worship service, which is broadcast every Sunday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time. Once again, the site is AbundantLifeWorship.net. If you'd like to join us for a live service, click on the About Us tab on the website and get information on service times and directions. You can also find us on our Facebook page at facebook.com slash AbundantLifeWorship.net. God bless. We look forward to seeing you on our next podcast. And until then, remember that Jesus came to give you life.